Hey, why did you come to church today? You ever think about that? Why did I come to church today? Why did I get up early on the weekends, shower? It's a lot of work, right? Maybe you had to get like a billion kids in the car, get them here, okay, and then you forgot your coffee, so you had to go down the road to Mocha and get it, you know, hooked up, and then you walked in a little late, and you still had to check in those billion kids in the kids' ministry, and then you pull yourself in here, and you finally get settled in a seat, and someone's like, hey, move, and you're like, I don't want to move closer, so then you do it anyways, and you sit down, and they're like, hey, let's stand, and you're like, okay, I just sat down, like, what, why am I here? Why did I go to all this trouble? We've been talking for several weeks now about the values of our church. We've gone through what it means to worship, walk with, and work for Christ as it pertains to the local church. In these past couple weeks, we've talked about these pillars, right? These pillars that we're committed to of, of prayer and witness, right? So you could say that there is an input and an output when it comes to coming to church. I'm receiving but I'm also going to pour out. I'm, I'm here to meet with God, but I'm also here to pour out what God is doing in my life onto other believers around me. Let me ask you another question. Do you have parts of church that you like more than others? You can be honest. Okay, call me biased, but I think we have a, a pretty stellar worship team. Would you agree with me on that? Pretty killer worship team? Right? And uh, I know you're like, hey, uh, it's all worship, Brent. And I'm like, I, yeah, I, I'm with you. The guy, you know, helping me park my car is leading me in worship. And, you know, when I get handed a bulletin, I'm being led in worship, right? All I'm saying is if I'm being honest, when Tessa starts singing, forever he, I'm like, yes, yes. Not the same effect when I'm parking my car. Okay, I'm not, can you just imagine? Jesus, take the wheel. Yes, right? Every time I pull in my heart, that'd be weird, right? No, let's be real. We have parts we like about church more than we like other parts. I remember I got started in worship ministry just to avoid that whole greeting time we just did, right? I was like, uh-uh, it's flu season. I'm going to learn bass right now. I'm getting on that worship team. They don't have to greet nobody. I'm expecting applications to the worship team to just skyrocket this week. Yes, get me out of that greeting. And there's things that change week to week in our services, but for the majority of the time, there are some core elements to our church service that happen every single week. Like, we don't have an open mic scripture reading every single week, but there are some foundational things that happen every single week. There's really two, right? What are the two things that happen in every church service here at Harvest? What are they? Worship and preaching. Those are the things we're committed to. And the pillar we're going to look at today is the pillar of unapologetic preaching. We're going to preach about preaching. And all God's people said, Amen. Because when we say we have a pillar of unapologetic preaching, this is what it means we're committed to. Okay, We're committed to the pillar of unapologetic preaching by proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology. But what I really want to answer today, this question, it's the question I've tried to wrestle down all week, is why do we preach God's Word? Why do we preach God's Word? There's two lines of thinking in my mind when, when we ask that question. 
The first is, why do we preach at all? Why do we devote a significant portion of our service to someone standing up and delivering a message? And then the second question would be, okay, if if we're going to do that, why do we preach from this book? TED Talks are kind of a cool concept, right? There's a lot of topics and issues that I got going on in my life. It'd be kind of nice to have an expert stand up and just kind of talk about that, tell me how to deal with these things. Why have we decided that this is the thing we're going to preach here? Got it? Two lines of thinking. Let's go after this question. Why do we preach God's Word? Open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Sorry, chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, it's near the back of your Bible. And the verse that has cemented this pillar of unapologetic preaching in our church is 2 Timothy 4.2. But we're going to look back at chapter 3 in verse 16 in a little context as you find your place. This is the Apostle Paul's second letter to Timothy. Timothy was a guy that Paul poured into like crazy. Okay? He looked at Timothy like a son. And right now, Paul is not in close proximity to Timothy anymore. But he wants to keep pouring into him. He wants to keep speaking truth into his life as Timothy lives out this ministry that he's been called to. So he just spent a couple of chapters encouraging Timothy, giving him some direction. And then there's a turn near the end of chapter 2 where he starts to warn Timothy about the direction of the world. Spoiler alert, it's not good. And... Things are going to be bad, and following Christ is going to be harder. And this is coming from the guy who was stoned and beaten and almost killed several times for the name of Christ. And he's like, it ain't bad yet. It's about to be. But he wants to encourage Timothy for everything he's done and give him something to endure. And not just endure, but flourish in his ministry. And so he says, you can find everything you need, Timothy, In the Word of God, read with me verse 16 of chapter 3. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. School was uh, never my favorite thing, okay? Uh, Especially math. Math was like my least favorite subject, and um, it wasn't just because like I couldn't do it. I just didn't like math, and I've kind of found that there are two people in the world, the people who like math and then normal people, and so I've just kind of resolved that, hey, I'm not going to go into a career of mathematics. I don't need to know all this, so I don't know why I need to find X or Y or Z or why are there letters in math anyways. Just kind of, I'm done with it. But I remember the first time I had to use algebra in a real-life situation, Right? It wasn't just like I wasn't sitting in a classroom. There was like actually something I was encountering. I had to use algebra, and I kind of just stared at the problem like, uh, I didn't know this was going to be on the test. You know, can someone get me out of this? Now, I still think a lot of math is useless, but the truth was that it had applicable principles for my life. And even in the moment it was being taught to me, I didn't see a way to apply it. The time was going to come when I would need it. And I would be glad that someone had taught it to me. See, God's Word is the same thing. It's all profitable. 
Here's another way to think about it. Athletes do things in training so that they can succeed in competition, right? A kicker kicks 100 field goals. Is this too soon, Vikings fan? I'm sorry. So that he won't miss in the game. God's word is the same thing. We can apply it when the moment calls for it. It's profitable. And it changes us, right? It, it, it's like training. It, it changes us so that when the moment calls for it, we need it. So point number one this morning, we preach God's word because we are changed by it. God's word makes us think, act, and speak in a different way because the word of God is profitable for our life. And we believe it to be the Word of God. The reason it changes us is because it's not just a book full of some concepts with good intentions. Just take a few and live a better life. No, I believe that the the Holy Spirit, a divine entity of the person of God, told Paul to write all Scripture is breathed out by God. Not some Scripture, not most Scripture, not even Scripture is breathed out, but all. All. This is really interesting. You want to know the Greek translation for all? It's all. Mind-blowing. It's everything. There is no better way to say it. Every scripture is breathed out by God. So we preach the word of God because it changes us, because not one part of it is wasted in the life of the believer. That's why we consistently preach verse by verse through a passage of scripture. Sure, I could stand up here and give you a topic and take 20 verses all throughout Scripture out of context to support my idea. That's been being done for a long time. But that's not the way God intended His Word to be read and certainly not the way God intended His Word to be preached. And that can get us into into trouble sometimes because sometimes there's some hard things in Scripture, but... When we encounter hard things in our life, it changes us. But it doesn't end right there. It doesn't just change us. Like I said, there's an input and an output, and the same is true in regards to preaching the Word of God. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. So Paul's giving Timothy a a command now, okay? He's encouraged him. He's warned him. And then he's kind of given him a a tool in his tool belt saying, hey, you got this, this word of God though, and here's what I want you to do with it. Here's a command. What's the highest authority that has ever given you a command? A boss, a a parent. I work with a guy on our staff who is a Marine. And uh, always kind of intrigued and I somewhat understood the concept of ranks in the military. My dad was in the Army. My grandpa was in the Navy. So I kind of had this like very civilian idea of what that all was. But I was just... In my talkings and interactions with with Ben, this guy on our staff, I was so intrigued by how, man, there's all these levels of authority, and this guy gets to tell this guy what to do, and this guy you have to salute, and this guy you stand up, and it's crazy, right? 
And so I just asked him, I was like, who's the big kahuna? Who's the guy, right? Like, walk me through the, the chain of command. And here, here it is, okay? These are just enlisted ranks. Private, private first class, lance corporal, corporal, sergeant, staff sergeant, gunnery sergeant, first sergeant, sergeant major. Just enlisted ranks. And then you get into officers. Second lieutenant, first lieutenant, captain, major, lieutenant, colonel, colonel, brigadier general, major general, lieutenant general, general. And this person gets to do all of this to everyone below him, the general. All right, he's the guy that when he walks in the room, everyone stands and salutes, and when he talks, nobody else does, and when he says jump, everyone jumps, the general. And Paul is, is, is pulling out all the stops on this charge to Timothy in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. Oh, and by his appearing, and yeah, his kingdom, all of those chips are getting pushed to the middle of the table. What's he going to say, right? What's, what's he going to tell us to do with all of that weight behind it? Man, he could tell us to do anything. What do you want me to do? You want me to feed the hungry? You want me to give to the poor? You want me to help this people group or pursue this social justice option? What is it, Paul? What do you want me to do? Three words. Preach the word. That's it. That's all we have to do. Yeah, preach the word. Doesn't matter what season of life you're in or where the world is at, preach the word. Need to reprove? Preach the word. Need to rebuke a person or a situation? Preach the word. Need to exhort, encourage, edify? Preach the word. Do it with patience. Do it like a teacher, not an expert, but preach the word. And what happens? God's people are, are changed by it, but then they are commissioned by it. We preach God's word because we are commissioned by it. Now, I want to establish something here between preaching God's word and proclaiming God's word. So you could read this verse and, and realize he's talking to Timothy and he says, preach the word. And he says, yeah, that's for you, pastor. That's for you, preacher. Ephesians 4 is clear that he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And sometimes we use that as our, like, magical curtain that kind of just separates us. And, oh, I can't, I don't have to preach. I don't have to know the word. That's your job. Not everyone has been called or gifted in the area of teaching, preaching God's word, but all have been commissioned to proclaim God's word. And what Paul is saying to Timothy is not prepare a C sermon and then be ready with it in season or out of season. What he's commissioning Timothy to do is to be faithful to use God's word in all circumstances. To know it enough that when the pressure would come upon you and when the situation would require it, you wouldn't just turn to your own wisdom. You would be able to preach the word. And we are called to do the same. And in a position of spiritual authority, I, I carry this weight of teaching from God's Word, not so that I could just do it and then be done with it, but that so that you, so that we could then walk out into the world and apply it to our lives. The end goal of preaching is not that you would leave saying, what a clever preacher. He's such a good orator. I really liked that story he told. 
The end goal of preaching is that you would go home and you would read your Bible for yourself and then you would do what it says. Woe to the church that is so spoon-fed by the pastor that they never feel the need to open up this word for themselves. Not this church. Now here's the thing. I'm not saying we all just sit in the room and preach and that's it. And God's like, two thumbs up. You're the church. No, there's, there's more than one pillar for a reason in our church, but I, I firmly believe this, that every missions initiative, every social justice opportunity, every call to action for the believer will be taken care of when the Word of God is faithfully preached to God's people. But only if the believer does something when the Word is preached. See, a preacher is only as good as the people who do what? Starts with an L. Listen. When God's people listen to the Word of God preached, those people have the power to change the world. I've been married to my wife for a little over five years now, and uh, I've developed uh, this like superpower I didn't know existed since I became a husband. And it's this ability to act like I'm listening and I'm not at all, right? I can't, I mean, I'm ashamed to admit it, but there have been countless times where I'm sitting doing something, either, you know, watching TV, working on something, whatever it is, and my wife comes in the room and starts to say things. She's engaging me in a conversation. She's asking me to do something. She's asking for advice or an opinion or something like that. And there's usually this point where I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know. And eventually, like, yeah, will only get you so far in a conversation with your wife. And eventually there's this point where she goes like, Brent Thomas, are you even listening? Are you even listening to me? I could hear my wife. I knew she was in the room. There were words coming out of her mouth, and my brain was recognizing it as speech coming into my ear, and my, all of my masculinity was coming up with, yeah, right? That's all I had in that moment because I was hearing, but I wasn't listening. No, if I was truly listening, I would have to respond to the call to action. You want to know the greatest fear as a preacher? The greatest fear is not that I would get nervous and, and lose my place and stumble over my words or that nobody would laugh at a joke that I had or that I would have something in my teeth or I would go over time or mispronounce an Old Testament word that disqualifies me from ministry. Now, the single greatest fear of every single preacher is that there would be a room full of people that heard what he said but didn't listen. The greatest fear is that our senior pastor would stand up here and preach Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, make a supplication for all the saints, and the overwhelming fear is that nobody would have prayed that week. And then the next week to come back with verses 19 and 20. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And not one person would go home and write out their God story so that if someone asked them this week, what, what's your life about? You would know the answer. That is an overwhelming fear 
as a man who stands here and opens this word, is that I would just say a bunch of things and we would say, great, and walk out and forget everything. We preach the word of God because it commissions us. But if there's no one listening to the commission, it is like a seed that fell along the path and birds came and devoured it in one ear and out the other. You're not listening. You're not taking notes. Oh, y'all thought because Steve was gone, it was going to be an easy message today, right? I've seen a lot of things. I grew up in church. I did the math this week. I've heard, this is on the low side, I'll use that word, I've heard over 1,500 sermons in my life. 1,500 times at least I've had a preacher stand in front of me and preach the word. So it's not a quantity thing. This isn't like a rewards program. You don't get points for just checking in. You got to lean in. You got to listen. James tells us not to just be hearers of the word, but doers also. So we preach the word because we are commissioned by it. But if we are commissioned to preach the word to ourselves first and then to the world around us, what will we encounter? What's waiting for us out there in the world? So often we talk like that, right? If you're newer to church, maybe you're like kind of like checking out this Jesus thing. Sometimes it can seem like we're like this secret club that kind of hangs out and we're like training and preparing to like take on our arch nemesis, the world. Like he's, there's this master plan for the world to take over the world. And we pray things like, God, make us beacons of light in the darkness that is the world. May we be able to stand against whatever the world throws at us. Give us eyes to see the world for what it truly is, pure evil. Dude, it sounds like the Power Rangers, like getting ready, right? It's, it's, it can get weird, but I want to be honest about something. Sometimes we, send, we spend so much time preaching about the world that we don't realize the threat of not preaching the word to the world. Because you don't hit a blind person for being blind. I'm not up here to try and prove to you how to live your best life now in the world. I'm more worried about showing you from the word that you need a savior from the world. And we put pastors on this crazy pedestal and have this expectation that all we have to do is get people to church. If I can just trick them into coming to church with me and getting them in a seat, then that's it's like a one-two punch, preacher. You like you knock them out. I just want to say this. I I love creativity. I love uh, the job I get to do as a worship leader and a worship pastor and a creative arts and all of that. And there's so much you know creativity that can be used to illustrate God's word and to what he's doing through his people and to worship him. And you want to know who the most creative person in the room is on a Sunday morning? It's our pastor. Because I don't know if you noticed, but we didn't write any of the songs that we sang this morning. Somebody else did, and we got to sing them. There's like a whole thing that you can log on to and just sing other people's songs. There's thousands and thousands of them every week. 
I can go in and type in the word. What do we preach on this week? Faith? Okay, faith. 800 songs at my disposal. Oh, I'm going to pick one. Now, we're more intentional than that. We're going to talk about that next week. But what I'm saying is, my pastor, every single week, I sit in his office with him, and I watch him just wrench his heart out over this word to try and get something to say to you that there would be handles on it that you could take it and carry it out into the world. And if he would ever come in and just re-preach an outline that he had before, we would crucify him. How dare you get up here and preach something you've already preached? I need something new today, pastor. I brought my family today. See, the world is it's not waiting for our sermons. See, are we, are we even surprised anymore when we read a report about some evil action happening? I mean, for sure, I'm grieved and I'm, I'm heartbroken over that person's sin. But in that moment, I'm not sitting there, man, if they had just come to church, they had just heard my sermon, they had just heard my pastor's sermon, they, maybe they wouldn't have done that thing. And what I think is, church, we've got a job to do. The preaching of God's word drives out darkness by infusing light in the follower of Christ so they can go out in the world and shine. And that requires God's people to be changed and commissioned. But the truth, truth is, is, that's not our natural inclination to just accept that. Yeah, I'll be changed, I'll be commissioned, that sounds great. The word of God grates against the sin nature of the believer. It's an inherent fleshly thing in us. And in verse 3, we see what happens when that rub point occurs and people don't like it. Chapter 4, verse 3. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Now, we, we can read that, and I know the it's easy to be like, for the time's coming, that time's here, man. But I want to separate something here of how you're thinking about that. There is a major difference between not enduring sound teaching and having a preference of preaching style. Like I said, I grew up in the church and I've seen people leave churches for everything from a terrible leadership decision to the temperature of the coffee. We don't even have coffee. So there goes that one. You got to stay. But preachers are, are often a reason why people will leave a church. And sometimes maybe that, that needs to be true, but let me just give you an illustration here. I think about preachers like Bible translations. Okay, Find one that's faithful to the original Word of God, one you can understand, one that you will read often, listen to often. It's not going to be perfect. There will be some times you need to cross-reference other translations, seek out supplemental commentary, but if there's no heresy or apostasy present, lean into it and be faithful to it, and God will use it to grow you for his glory. Paul is not talking about people who didn't like Timothy's style of preaching, but rather what Timothy was preaching. See, God's word is clear, but it's not easy. And when God's word calls us to do something hard, we try to squirm out from underneath it. 
we're really good at coming up with reasons why it doesn't actually apply to us in this situation. Now, see, I know you're supposed to love your neighbor, but not like your actual neighbor. Like that guy like keeps parking in front of my house and his dog keeps using my yard for his business. So like, I don't even like the guy. How am I supposed to love that guy? No, I, no, I see the verse that says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. And the other one that says, a dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. But did you hear about what she did? Did you hear what he said? We should pray for them. Yeah, I've got it hanging on my wall. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. But I've, I've given everything to get to where I am today. And we're saving for that thing, and I don't have time to serve, and we need that money for what we've been waiting for, and how dare you ask for what I've earned. And our ears, <laughs> our ears start to itch. Coming to church, and like, man, this is making my ears itch. And the Word of God isn't trying to scratch your ears and make you comfortable and complacent. Just relax and be whatever you want to be and just drift over here. No, the Word of God is like a staff. On one hand, it's a weapon. It's like a sword to defend against the enemy's lies and attacks. But it's also a tool for the shepherd to correct us in our wrong thinking and living. We preach the Word of God because we are corrected by it. If we are not careful, friends, we will allow ourselves to accumulate for ourselves teachers to suit our own passions, and we will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. See, the Word of God corrects us because it is the truth. John 17, 17, Jesus is praying to God the Father for his disciples and every disciple that will come in the world after them. And he says this, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. We preach the word because we are corrected by it when we wander from the truth in the mist. Let's play a game. You want to play a game? Cool. All right, we can all play at once, okay? Here's how the game is going to work. It's called Truth or myth, is it in the Bible? So you're going to give me a thumbs up for truth. Yep, that's in the Bible. Thumbs down for myth. Got it? Everybody play. Can everybody show me your thumbs? Come on. Everybody's going to play all at once. 100% participation. Here we go. I need like some Jeopardy music or something. Okay. Ready? Here we go. Number one, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Thumbs up. It's in the Bible. Thumbs down. It's not. Everybody up? Everybody vote? Answer is, ah, not in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible does it say the Lord works in mysterious ways. Just saying. Number two, ready? Now everybody's nervous. I'm not voting anymore. Number two, the eye is the window to the soul. Thumbs up. It's in the Bible. Thumbs down. No, it's not. Everybody vote. There's no, I see a lot of this. This isn't an answer, Okay. Yes or no? It's in the Bible, right? Ready? Answer is... <clears throat> Here, this one's kind of tricky. Matthew 6.22 says, the lamp of the body is the eye. But there's been this like misquotation of that, that the eye is the window to the soul. You can see everything. Trick, trick question, but I'm still right. Number three. <laughs> Number three. Here we go. Whoever loves pleasure will be poor. Whoever loves pleasure, pleasure will be poor. That's like a common, everybody thinks this, oh, I can't, church is no fun, right? Thumbs up, it's in the Bible. Man, I got like 
20% participation now. Thumbs up is in the Bible, thumbs down is not in the Bible. Answer is, ding, 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 ding. Proverbs 21.17. Proverbs 21.17. People, are, I hear the pages flipping like, there's no way that's in the Bible. He's a liar. Proverbs 21.17. Whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. Okay, number four. A couple more, a couple more. Number four. A fool and his money are soon parted. It's in the Bible, not in the Bible. Answer is, uh, not in the Bible. That is actually a quote from a book. It's like something good husbandry from 1573. And people are just like, this sounds like it should be in Proverbs, so we're going to say it is. Nah. All right, last one. Last one, ready? For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Show me. Is it in the Bible? Yes. Hebrews. Hebrews 4.12. Hey, what was the point of that? What was the point of that, church? How easy is it for us, apart from the word of God, to wander off in a miss? Yeah, I think I heard that somewhere. I heard a preacher say that from the stage one time. Listen to me. If there was ever anything that I would say, Steve would say, Chris would say, anybody who stood in this pulpit would say that you didn't feel like that was right. I don't know if that's true. The only truth you can test it up against is the Word of God. You should be fact-checking it, fact-checking us every week. May we never depart from preaching the living, active, correcting Word of God. And then this, back to the text, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. As for you, Always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Paul is wrapping up his charge to Timothy here. He knows the things Timothy will face, the opposition, the trials. In the darkest days, in the hardest seasons, the word of God remains constant and steadfast. And it reminds us that we have a job to do. There is a duty we need to fulfill. And if I'm being honest, there have been numerous times in my life when I've been low enough that I've had to allow the Word of God just to wash over me and fill me in the middle of these difficult circumstances. But I'm always amazed when God uses His Word in situations where I'm not even looking for it. Just recently, my wife, Jennifer, and I were talking about how this isn't like the easiest season we've ever had in our life. We're doing good. Don't come down after the service and like try to rebaptize me or something. Okay, I'm not saying that. But like life is hard. Can we all just say that? Life is hard. You're trying to figure it out. You're watching friends and family go through hard things. We got kids, and sometimes I should be rebaptized probably. But life can be really hard, and sometimes you feel like you're just trying to get the wheels turning, you just can't. It's the same thing week after week. And then I remember it was a Monday. I don't go into the office on Mondays. It's kind of a reset day for our family. And I'm up and I'm having a cup of coffee and I'm reading the Word and being totally transparent. It's like a check-the-box day in the Word. I'm working through the whole Bible right now, so I got all these little boxes on my app that I'm like, boom, bing, bum, bum, bum. Right? I'm just blazing through these chapters. 
I didn't, I didn't journal. I didn't pull out a journal. I didn't like sit, like meditate on a verse. I didn't, you know, aha moment. None of those. Just read it. On to the next thing. So fast forward, I'm still kind of in the dumps a bit. My wife sends me the, to the gym to sweat and recharge. So I'm in the middle of this workout with all this running. And I hate running. So the last thing I want to do while I'm running is think about the fact that I'm running. So I'm thinking about things, and, and naturally, because of my state of mind, I'm just going to all the things I'm, I'm stressed and I'm anxious about, and I don't have the answers to. And God, give me wisdom and clarity. What should I do? And what's the answer? How do I fix this? And in the middle of this stupid workout on a Monday afternoon, God doesn't send an angel to say something. He doesn't audibly boom his voice down from heaven. But in just as a real and a tangible way as those things would have been, he preached his word. God starts preaching his word to me, and it's the words I read that morning. God, it's like, like they were on a page in front of me as I'm... <laughs> Just the words, just washing over me. God, just preaching his word. And it applied so well to my life. And I'm just like, man, God, I didn't even get that this morning. And now you're just giving it to me. And it gave me such, a, it didn't give me all the answers. It wasn't like, here's exactly what you do to fix everything you're facing. It was just the hope that I needed in that moment to be carried through this season of life. To understand that God's word never fails, that the grass withers in the flower phase, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. And it carried me. See, we preach God's word because we are carried by it. It carries us through difficult circumstances of the unknown questions and into our calling and our ministry See, the minute Jesus spoke the words of Matthew 28, 19 and 20 over his disciples, 2 Timothy 4, 5 wasn't just for Timothy. It was for you and it was for me. We are all evangelists. We all have a job to do, and that is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. God's word carries us out of this darkness and this, what is this life all about? And gives us the fulfillment of understanding we have a calling on our life to preach the word. So go and preach, believer. Use your story to share the gospel of Christ, of course, but the power found at the core of your story is from the word of God. We are changed by it commissioned by it, corrected by it, and we are carried by it, so we preach the word. I want to close this way. Next week, we're ending this series by talking about worship, unashamed adoration. And we know worship is not just music and singing, but we use music and singing as worship in our church. And so often we close our services by singing something to solidify what we just heard, but I want to do something a little bit different. I want to preach a song to you. Okay? It's a song about the Word of God, and I want you to do something. I want you to listen. Not just hear, but listen. So let's all stand. I'm going to preach these words over you.
Maybe this be a good moment just to hold your Bible in your hand. You can close your eyes. You can look up. You can let these words be true for us as a people of God. Let's listen. Holy words, long preserved for our walk in this world. They resound with God's own heart. Oh, let the ancient words impart. Words of life, words of hope, give us strength and help us cope. In this world, wherever we roam, ancient words will guide us home. Ancient words, ever true, changing me and changing you, we have come with open hearts. Oh, let the ancient words impart. Holy words of our faith, handed down to this age, came to us through sacrifice. Oh, heed the faithful words of Christ. Holy words long preserved for our walk in this world. They resound with God's own heart. Oh, let the ancient words impart. Ancient words, ever true, changing me and changing you, we have come with open hearts. Oh, let the ancient words impart. God, seal this word on our hearts today as we believe and have faith in the truth that is your word. God, I pray it would sanctify us, that it would wash over us and renew our minds so that we would not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. But God, through the Holy Spirit, we would understand and apply these things to our life in a way that is real and tangible and that we would never depart from the ancient words, from the holy word, from the word of God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.